This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's begin now. It's noon. It's Saturday. That means Out of Bounds is officially started on 610 Sports Radio as we follow up Brandon Kylie in the leadoff. New uh, profile picture. Didn't take long. No, it's always good to get a new profile in there, keep things fresh, you Especially know? Especially quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just figured Kylie's would have been like on a jet ski or something. I could see that. Oh, man. He's a jet ski pro. He's got like he's got like actual footage. Like he goes, oh yeah, like hype Williams no, like he's type a, of production. He's a big time jet ski guy. And no one ever has zero fun on a jet ski, right? Uh, Brandon Kylie, good stuff on the leadoff. Catch him every Saturday live and local, ten to noon. We follow up out of bounds, noon to three. Normally today we have a shortened show. Royals are on at two o'clock, and like you said, Josh Klingler in for Cody Tap as Cody Tap has a wedding to get to, but. As we do every time the Royals' lineups are out, we like to read them in our Denny Matthews voice. Leading off and playing second base with Merrifield, batting second, Adalberto Mondesi playing short, Alex Gordon playing in left field, batting third, Hunter Dozier, the DH and MVP candidate, Soler batting fifth, Ryan O'Hearn batting sixth in the first base slot, Kelvin Gutierrez at third base, Martin Mondelano playing catcher, and Billy Hamilton in center field and Homer Bailey pitching. Homer Bailey, of course, looks like Patrick Bateman from American Psycho or Christian Bale or The Dark Knight, whatever you want to call him. Um, lots to get into today. We will be joined live from uh, Arrowhead as rookie minicamp is underway. We'll have some of the signed free agent or rookie r- drafted rookies for the Kansas City Chiefs. Pete Sweeney doing his great work as always out at Arrowhead. So we will tap in live to Andy Reid coming up at 1215 at the complex as rookie minicamp is underway. But first, As we started off with the Kansas City Royals lineup, I want to dive into, because this is live and local, the Royals do play at 3 o'clock today, 3.15 in Detroit. Ned Yost said it. I didn't say it. You didn't say it. But Ned Yost yesterday, Jeffrey Flanagan, the beat writer for the Royals of MLB.com, quote, Ned Yost said, I work to make everyone on the team better. I don't just throw them in the trash can when they struggle. That was what Ned Yost said when he was asked about Chris Owings' struggles. Now, of course, when that quote comes out, Chris Owings gets pinch hit last night for Ryan O'Hearn, who hits a double. And then today, Chris Owings isn't in the lineup for the Royals as they take on Detroit. And it just makes me think this is very similar to when Ned said, what do you want me to do? Just pick him off the third base tree. Which, I get it. Like, it's kind of weird because Ned is sometimes a little contradicting with how he releases things out to the media. Sometimes when you add Ned, ask Ned Yost a question in postgame, some people do it. It's kind of like walking on eggshells. You don't know how he's feeling. You don't know if he's upset. You don't know if he's in that playful mood. And some people, whether it be whatever you want to talk about, Ned Yost, and you have your opinions on Ned Yost of what you believe is the type of management skills that Ned Yost 
possesses. He's been to two World Series with his team. He has won one. And it's seen that he had figured out how to use that bullpen in 14 and 15 and somewhat in 16. And since then, it's kind of been a bit of a struggle. And then this year, the Royals like to broadcast that when they were going to go out this year, they were going to steal bases, play defense, and beat teams the way that you can playing small ball in a low-market type of team. And then Chris Owings comes along, and he has struggled. But this is beyond a struggle. Chris Owings in his last 37 at-bats is two for 37 with 15 strikeouts. That coming from Cody Tapp's Twitter account. Royals Insider at 610sports.com, 610sports Radio, and at 610sportskc. Again, I get it. I understand that when you're looking for guys that fit your scheme and guys that you want to just not give up on, Chris Owings is in there. And also on $3 million, you know, it wasn't a huge risk bringing him in for one year, three mil, for a guy that can play multiple positions. So I get where they were at when they signed him. But a lot of people are getting tired of it now. I get it. And, like, I get what Ned Yost is saying because Ned Yost's management skills and his personality, Ned Yost is a red ass. Like, he's a guy that's not going to put up with any nonsense. He's not going to have a pity party. He's going to cut and dry, tell you how it is and how he feels literally every single time he's at the ballpark. That's just who Ned Yost has been. That's who Ned Yost always really is. But when it comes to this and he says, I'm not just going to give up on somebody and throw them in the trash can, I get it. That's a little bit of a drastic statement. Kind of reminds me of, like we said earlier, the third baseman tree comment. Now, this team won a World Series in 2015. It's only 2019. It's still pretty relevant that they won a World Series, but it's weird because if you look at how they won that World Series, yes, they had a magnitude of talent that fit what they wanted to do. That all came at the same time, too. Exactly. Like, Hosmer wasn't your over-the-power superstar, but he had a bright smile. He played pretty decent baseball. He's a gold-glove first baseman, and he was the face of this franchise. Gerard Dyson was a middle-of-the-average center fielder, but he was a leader in that clubhouse that everybody kind of clings to and played around. Yeah, Salvador what... Perez is one of the best catchers in baseball, so he's kind of an anomaly to what we're talking about. But guys like that, like Alex Gordon, who's a gold-glove left fielder who wasn't hitting 300, slamming the ball over the wall all the time. He was just fit this scheme. And now your main marketing, I guess, message is, We're going to try to duplicate that again, but we're also not going to give up on guys. I get it that you don't give up on your players. That's not what you do. That's not what this business is about. But when a guy is literally hitting 143 and he struck out a ton early in the season, it's time to reevaluate what maybe you're trying to do here. And especially when you have a guy in Nicky Lopez in AAA who's tearing the cover off the ball, and he just can't seem to cool down. Yeah, he's absolutely raking it right now. Which is a great problem to have. Right. But my other type of statement when it comes to this, I'm not just going to throw people in the trash can. No one's telling you to just tell Chris Owings to get lost. We're just trying to say that maybe it's time that he takes some time out. Maybe it's time that this guy that you have in your minor league system who's really tearing it up and playing very well in AAA – It's not that he's doing it in double A. It's not that he's doing it in single A. It's not the fact that he's doing it in an independent league and you've got him signed. It's the fact that this kid is probably going to be one of the main parts of your franchise moving forward. And if you're trying to get people to come along and get started earlier on the next wave of what is forever Royal, maybe it's time to like 
Let him get a shot and make, let's see what he can do because eventually when you play in a league that's talent is not as good as yours and you're just better than it, I don't know how much better you can possibly get when you're literally trashing the rest of the talent in that division in AAA because you're just that damn good right now. Well, and I understand if they don't want to bring up Nicky Lopez right now because of, you know, club control, all the kind of things that we don't see as baseball fans or whatever. But there's another guy on this roster, Ryan O'Hearn, where you don't really know a whole lot about him, and he's been struggling, but he's not really seeing the field right now because Chris Owings is in there every day. I'm not calling for the Royals to do anything here. I'm just saying that right. the like Kansas City as a whole is frustrated at seeing you trot the same guy out there and not switch it up with a guy that's less proven that you need to see more because this season really all is about evaluating talent and seeing who you want to move on with in the future. You got Chris Owings on a one-year deal right now, and he's had over 2,000 plate appearances. So you kind of know what you're getting with him. Ryan O'Hearn, on the other hand, he is still young. He's still fresh. He doesn't have nearly as much experience in the major leagues. So you kind of want to like either give him the at-bats or send him down to AAA so that he can play every day. Exactly. And nothing is more aggravating than when you're in and then you're not, and then you're in and then you're not. Like last night, Ryan O'Hearn, big moment. For those of you nerds that play MLB The Show and you do the road to the show with your created player, that's a situational hit. The guy before you slammed a bomb to make it four to three, and then you hit a double after working out a really good at bat. And then, again, of course, the radio curse. We start our topics off with Chris Owings, and maybe he needs a break. And, of course, Chris Owings isn't in the lineup today. Again, the lineup that you can start at 315 against Detroit is Merrifield at second, Mondesi at short, Gordon and left, Dozier at DH, Soler right field, O'Hearn at first, Gutierrez at third, Maldonado at catcher, Billy Hamilton in center field, all behind Homer Bailey on the mound. Like, if you're going to tell people that you needed to send Kyle Zimmer down because he had control issues after a week into the season, but yet you're going to tell people that you're not just going to throw Chris Owings in the trash can because you don't want to give up on him. I'm sorry, but right now we need Herb Dean from the UFC to come in and separate the two. Because right now it feels like Chris Owings just keeps getting punched in the face and he's being defenseless when it comes to it. I'm not saying that Chris Owings is knocked out. I'm just saying that he might need a couple breaks to regroup, to digress, and take some time off. And oh, by the way, I know that they probably pay attention to some of the media. Not all of it. I'm not saying they listen to me. I'm just a clown sometimes. But what I'm saying is I have heard from other people that says, yeah, they do listen. They do kind of want to get a vibe of the city. Okay, a guy's hitting 143, another guy's hitting out of this world in AAA, and he's what some people would call is having that Derek Jeter-type swagger. Nicky Lopez is one of those guys that when he comes up here, he's got the young, bright face, like we said at the beginning of this content. Eric Hosmer-esque. And he could come up here, get some playing time, who has a ton of options. And if he doesn't quite get it right away, pump the brakes. I'm not saying you have to throw him in the trash can like Ned Yost is quoted. And again, he says, I work to make everyone on the team better. I don't just throw them in the trash can when they struggle. I get it. Chris Owens has struggled, but he's struggled for an elaborated amount of time. And it's time to maybe just sit back and I get it. You're a player's manager. When that guy for the White Sox, when their head, when their manager came after the Royals bench and was telling people to get in there, and Ned was like, hey, no way, man. Like, that's my team. You worry about your team. That's who Ned is. Anytime there's a brawl, like back when R.I.P. to Yodano Ventura would get a little chippy with a batter, Ned would come out there and defend his guys. I give Ned that credit. I believe Ned's number will be retired. I believe Ned Yost will have a statue. He's the winning, most winning manager, also the losingest manager because of his tenure in this team. Right. 
That's just who Ned is. And you can have whatever opinion you can have about Ned. I think he's great for this team, but I think sometimes you just got to worry about, like, 143. That could possibly ruin a guy's career forever because he just can't seem to get it. It's like you keep losing. Eventually, you're just like, ugh, I can't figure it out. But if you take some time off, you bring somebody up, and maybe Nicky Lopez, who's younger than Chris Owings, can be like, hey, man, this is what I do whenever I go up to the plate with this approach, and it might help Chris Owings out. Look at it from a total sphere of things. Well, and that's the thing, too, is that trotting Chris Owings out there every day when he's having these struggles and not giving him a day off might be coming back to hurt him in the long run. Like, maybe he just needs a couple days to work on things without the pressure of being out there in an in-game situation, you know? And the other thing that's the biggest fear, and I know we got to get it to a break as well, Pete Sweeney live from Arrowhead with Andy Reid and the new signed rookie kids. But the thing about it is, it's like, you're 11 and 22. What's it going to hurt if you lose fans? Because attendance around the league has been low. But if you want to get some more fans in, Throw a guy like Nicky Lopez out there. Guarantee you people will come running to the K. Maybe not a ton, but you'll get a lot at the moment. The hardcore baseball fans, the hardcore Royals fans, they'll be there for Nicky Lopez's I'll be first there. game. Imagine having Nicky Lopez up here next week when Bryce Harper's in town on an Adalberto Mondesi bobblehead giveaway. Ugh. Coming up next, Andy Reid and the rookies from minicamp. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. Back in on 610 Sports Radio as we will go live to Rookie Minicamp that started today. We'll hear from Andy Reid. Other players that you will hear from. I guess I should say other rookies that you will hear from. In no particular order, you'll hear from Nicole Hardman, Juan Thornhill, and Colin Saunders. We got Andy right now. And here we go. In our process of bringing guys in, we, we had a couple, four guys that we knew were banged up a little bit, but... Um, we know they're they've got talent, so down the road they'll they'll be practicing. But uh, the first one's Tim Ward, defensive end. Um, he won't practice today. Uh, he had ACL surgery, and then uh, Darius Darius Harris, um, linebacker, had right shoulder surgery and won't uh, won't practice today. Guys that are limited <clears throat> are wide receiver Felton Davis and. John Lovett, um, Felton had uh, Achilles tendon surgery, and then uh, John had wrist surgery. Uh, other than that, the guys are out. So they, they did their walkthrough this morning. They're all eager to get going. Uh, we're eager to see them. Um, everybody's here that we thought would be here. So we're able to have two deep at each position. And we'll give them an opportunity to get out there and show what they can do here for Really, five practices, two are walkthroughs, but uh, they've got two today. We count the walkthrough, and then two tomorrow, and then uh, we've got another one on Monday. So, uh, as far as uh, if anybody's here with the Tyree question, I mean, there's nothing's changed uh, since the last time we spoke and Brett spoke. So, I'll just leave it at that, and I'm not going to get into that. So, this is rookie stuff. Anyways, uh, time's yours here. Chris, what do you need to see over the next three days for you to feel good about the work that you guys put in? Yeah, so it's really, it's Brett and uh, his, his uh, scouts have just done a phenomenal job of scouring the country. And some of these free agents, like uh, we talked to them yesterday, uh, both Brett had an opportunity to talk to them. I had a chance to talk to them. And there are going to be guys that were undrafted that, you know, that have an opportunity to make the team. It happens every year. So it doesn't matter if you're a priority free agent or not, if you're a tryout guy. Somehow somebody squeaks in there and catches your eye and, and uh, you bring them up. But the main thing is that 
uh, in particular with the drafted players that would build a foundation with these guys and um, and we're going to throw quite a little bit at them, but build a foundation, uh, see what you can retain and, and how you function from the meeting room to the walkthrough and then to practice and and, uh, and then cut them loose a little bit here and see what they can do. Andy, why do you think that there is such a high percentage of undrafted free agents who, who stick and, and make it in the Is it just not enough picks in the draft? Yeah. Why do you think it is? I'll tell you, I mean, 50% of, and you think all the money and time to go into the first round picks, but really 50% at one point was uh, what, what ended up sticking and, and having a career in this thing as starters. The second highest percentage wasn't second round picks, it was free agents, college free agents. <clears throat> at what, 22 something percent? Uh, and that lasted for how many ever years? I haven't kind of followed that too much here over the last couple of years, but that's, that's where it was. So, um, and who knows? I mean, who who knows why? It could be guys at smaller schools that don't get quite as much recognition. Uh, it could be the heart that's involved with with elevating their and the urgency level of making a team. Um, you know, who knows what that is? Uh, um, but over the years, we've we've had our share of them. So. We haven't had a chance to talk to you since after the second round. Um, the other five guys have been drafted. What you think stand out to yeah, so uh, let me go through a couple of those guys. So uh, Fenton, uh, corner, uh, like his cover ability. Um, he can play inside and, and outside. Uh, and we'll, we'll see how he does uh, in those areas. Did I, had I talked to you about Saunders at all? No, no. no before. Yeah, so Saunders I like uh, not just because he can do a backflip at 320 pounds, <laughs> but um, he had been a running back. And so now he's in high school, and here he is uh, now a defensive lineman. So you see that athletic ability and explosion. Um, he's got good measurables. I'm not talking about height, but I'm talking about girth and size and speed and, and balance and all the things that are important, arm length. Um, and then Darwin Thompson, uh, the running back, loved him in college. And what we saw, he played at Utah State, um, and uh, he wasn't there a long period of time. He didn't, he didn't spend the four years there, but uh, what we saw, we we sure liked. And uh, quickness. He's not real tall, but he's, I mean, he's put together, rocked up pretty good. Um, but he's got great quickness. Um, all those guys that, that center of gravity can move around very low and uh, and quick, and he's got good hands. So we'll, we'll see how he does. And then Nick. Um, it was, it was an offensive lineman, could play center guard, dual position guy. Probably could move out and kick out and tackle. He's not, not a small guy. Uh, but uh, we like him in those two positions, guard and center. He'll be working center out here um, with the one with the first group, and then he'll, he'll get a little guard work in as we go. But extremely intelligent. I mean, uh, if the Wonderlick test means it means something, he's he'll he'll be number one on that <laughs> on the team. So. Um, but he's a two-time team captain, and uh, and there's nothing pretty here. He, he, you and I, he, he's he can wear our clothes, right? So, um, but um, he plays a lot better than you and I, right? So, he, he uh, he's a tough kid and uh, and moves around well. And um, I mean, the one thing that jumps out at you is he's dirty tough. I mean, that's the one thing when you watch tape on him without even knowing him, you go, that's a tough nut right there. So. Those are the guys. Yeah, you're all right. I think I've asked you this before, but um, when there aren't paths and you're trying to get an idea of 
defensive line and offensive line. Just what are you hoping to see in terms of understanding sort of the techniques of each play in the playbook and obviously sort of their mentality and sure. adjustments as, as you go forward from, say, today's practice. To yeah, so this camp, you can, you can actually go offense versus defense. Um, and 10 years ago, it's, it was a little tougher to tell in a camp like this. In today's football, where guys are playing more like you do a Greco-Roman style wrestling off of the ground and, and moving around, uh, it's a little easier to tell uh, talent there. And you can get more done, I think, uh, as you go. So um, they, they can get good work in. We, we, we demand that you keep bodies off the ground. We don't want guys flopping all over the place. Um, so they have to work it together, but they can still uh, get after it pretty good, you know. No face. Phase two has started, so your defensive coaching staff has been out of the field with some of our guys. But for the defensive staff to just kind of work together and go through that process with new faces and just the teaching, how important is that aspect of the next three days for those guys to work and just kind of get to know each other in that process? Yeah, well, it's good for all of us. Uh, so it's the first time we've been able to go offense versus defense. And I mean, everything from setting the field up and how you practice and uh, to the tempo that you, you go and how you work that. and. Um, we don't repeat play. You guys have been out there. We don't repeat a lot of plays, so you got you got to get a lot of coaching done on the run, and um, that that uh, you know that becomes important on how you do that, and you're not getting in each other's way doing it. So, couple more guys. The coach the tight ends. Uh, I know Travis might not be ready to camp, and then you lost Demetrius and no draft picks. Just where do you um, like? How do you feel about that room? And then more specifically, why is Love it maybe a good transition? Yeah, so Love is one of those guys. Love is a kid from Princeton, play quarterback there. Um, Love is a guy that can play a lot of different spots for you. So he's not as big as a normal tight end. You're talking about 233 pounds. Uh, um, so he's not going to be your grinder in there. Um, but he can play in the backfield. He can play quarterback. And he can play in that kind of wing tight end position. Um, smart kid, tough kid. Um, I'm not worried about that room. I, I'm curious to see some of the young, the Yeldons and, and, what, and those guys, Bells, to, I want to see them play. I mean, these are, we've got some good young guys in there. I just, I don't have enough information on them when, when things are going, like a training camp practice. So, and these practices will be good for them. But. I know, know you can want to have Travis, but is there, is there an unfortunate aspect that they'll get to pick the reps with Mahomes when it comes time? Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great, yeah. I think it's, uh, uh, we'd love to have Travis out there, but um, if there's a plus, it's, these guys will get good reps. What was the, uh, the must-have with, with uh, signing Custis as a rookie free agent versus drafting him? Yeah, well, it's just it, it's picks. You know, I mean, it's a uh, number of picks that you have, and um, I like him though. He, he's a uh, um, he, he's got good skill. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to see when things get going here, how well he runs his routes and catches and does all those things in our system. But sure liked him at Syracuse there. I mean, he was a good football player. What about Therese and Adam? And you've been doing this a long time. So I'm wondering your years of experience coaching, like what's, what's the best way to teach a receiver, like start teaching him the offense? Like you just throw him in there, every position, and you just teach him one, yeah. like how you do it? Yeah, so you, know, you start him walking. And uh, like these walkthroughs we have, um, and you can see right away. You can see if a guy drops his arms, if he even walking through it, if he gets out there and 
all of a sudden your percentages of, of opportunities to catch football go way down. Little things like that. You talk to them about breaks and those and walk them through exactly how you do the break. And then you get out and you, and you practice. One advantage these guys have is they have Greg Lewis coaching them. So Greg played in the National Football League and in this offense. So he's got experience. So how valuable is that? I mean, that's a, that's a phenomenal thing to, to have in position if you're a wide receiver for a guy to come in here and go, I know exactly how this works. I know the timing of the quarterback to you. I know exactly how you're going to set this route up to be uh, beneficial for, for the offense. Last one out. Andy, uh, regarding Darwin Thompson, have you had a guy since you've been here quite like him? And I'm not necessarily just talking about his size, but skill set as well. Yeah, he's a little bit like Chuck Hendrick that way. He's, a, um, uh, he's not the biggest guy. Um, Chuck Hendrick got a big head, but everything else was, was a little bit smaller. But um, but he's, uh, they're about the same height there. Um uh, and I'm, cur- I'm, I'm curious. I'll be curious to see how he does. He, he's got the one thing you notice with him is when you put on the film, man, everything was fast. I mean, he had he had the burst. He had patience to the hole, but he had the speed through the hole. When he was outside, people had a hard time catching him. And then he had good hands. Now, that's at the college level, so we'll see. The one thing, the one thing, and you can even see it out here is. Uh, that low center of gravity, that strength in, in the core area, which is so important for a running back, that balance and, and core area. So, and then we'll see how he picks it up. You know, we're, we'll throw a lot at him, and that's a tough position. They got no pass game, the run game, blocking, all that stuff. So, we'll see how he does. All right, thank you. Right, thank you. Jeff. That was Andy Reid at Rookie Minicamp. We'll be at a short break. We'll come back. We'll hear from more of the rookies coming up. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. And we're back live to Rookie Minicamp as we now have Mecole Hardman talking from the Chiefs. Still the football player, still still grinding, still working, um, just in a different location now. So. What are your first impressions of Kansas City so far? I know it's been only a week or two. Um, I like it out here. Um, everything's good so far. I ain't really got much, um, really had time to do much, but... Um, it's been fun, and um, seeing seeing the teammates and um, with the, all the rookies that's here, and just bonding with them and the coaches. So, how'd you pick your jersey number? Um, well, I came in. They asked me what, what number you want. <laughs> uh, you could choose between these numbers, and seventeen was one of them. And um, I, f- I felt like it was it was a good fit. Dude, that speed factor to your game, that home run factor. Just how how um, how satisfied are you that Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback and? There might not be other quarterbacks in the league that could take advantage of that that skill. skill set. Well, I mean, Lee MVP, you know, I think any receiver would be happy to be with him. And uh, he's a great quarterback. And um, hopefully, you know, we can get a good, uh, some good chemistry together. And um, hopefully, he can he can throw me open, throw me some routes, and we just keep that thing going. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy to be with him. Uh, hopefully, I can meet him soon and get with him and, and get things going. Have you heard from him at all? Uh, I talked to him briefly a little bit. Um, you know, when I got drafted, and um, I think he excited as well, so he's ready to get the ball moving. Now that you've had a chance to learn a little bit more about the offense, see the playbook, how do you feel like your abilities and your skills translates into this offense? Uh, I think it translates well. I think um, the things Coach Reed doing his offense um, suits me well. I think I can do a lot of things in the offense. I'm versatile. I feel like wherever he need me to go, I can go. Um, whatever he need me to do, I can do. So it's just up to him to see how he's going to use it. But I think um, I got all trust in him and, and the coaching staff to, to use me on um, the way I need to be used. You were, you were the first pick for the Chiefs. How much did you watch the 
the draft and have you started to build relationships with the other draft picks? Um, I know some years they, they kind of bond you guys up together as roommates. What's that been like to know the other five guys who are in this draft class with you? Uh, you know, I played against one on uh, Rashad Fenton um, from South Carolina. I, I heard Juan before, you know, um, then the D-lineman, you know, from West Illinois. So um, it's been good just seeing them, you know, we, we get a relationship together. You know, we came up here before, and um, with us with us three, uh, I think, you know, we got a good relationship with each other, and uh, I think it's just going to build on, you know, so it, it helped us throughout the, our rookie year, especially us being together. So. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement with the team going to the AFC Championship game last year. When you were at that, that – draft fest or thing, you know, with the three guys, um, what was it like to see fans react to you, knowing that you guys are the new picks and, and what's it like to see sort of the, the idea of the franchise sort of a lot of people looking at you guys to sort of grow with Mahomes? Um, it was good to see the fans, um, you know, you learned the fans a real good fan base, um, knowing who they know you are and um, and it, it was happy and I think we, we ready for the role to, to be like, you know, the group that, you know, the growth of this team, the the bring, bring some championships back here. So I think we're we ready for that pressure, and um, we're just ready to work. So what, what do you remember about your battles with Fenton? Uh, well, I really didn't get a chance to go against him. I know he went, he was more on the outside with, you know, with Riley and them. And, um, but um, he's he a hard-nosed player. Um, I think he's a great special team player as well. So um, I think he can add, add value to this team. Um, you know, he come from a from – a, um, I think South Carolina had a hard background. Like they, they they worked hard. They drowned hard, for what I know. And um, so I think he's coming in ready to work, and he's going to be good. What do you mean to you that the Chiefs, uh, and there were several, team, several teams interested in the Chiefs, went and traded up to make sure they got you in Kansas City? Uh, it means a lot. You know, I think uh, they wanted me here. I'm here. And, um, you know, knowing that you want is a good feeling. And I just got to um, prove them right for getting um, trading up to get me. So, Based on your size and speed, everybody wants to compare you to Tyreek Hill. How do you feel like you compare it to Tyreek Hill? Uh, right now, I'm just, I feel like I'm myself, you know. I think I'm a Cole Hartman. Um, I think I can do things that I want to do, and um, I'm just going to leave it at that. Live from Arrowhead is uh, the Chiefs rookie minicamp goes into effect. We have uh, yet to hear from Colin Saunders, who I'm extremely excited about to hear from. Uh, that was Mikko Hardman. He asked about how he picked his number. He said he got into the facility. They brought him in. They said, here's a couple of numbers you had. And he said, the hell with you, Chris Conley. I'm taking 17 on May the 4th, who's also a Star Wars nerd uh, as well. But it's good to hear these guys talk, kind of how their introduction goes and kind of what Andy Reid has to say. And it always just seems that Andy Reid has a cough. Um, but, uh, Miko Hardman just spoke, uh, live from rookie minicamp and, um, still to come in these press conferences, we still have a uh, Juan Thornhill and Colin Saunders as well. And here we are. Prided yourself on your athleticism and where does that help you most in, on the field? Well, going into the combine, honestly, I was just, I was thinking I had to make a statement cause I know a bunch of coaches didn't think I was really athletic and everything. So when I got there, I just, like I said, I wanted to make a statement and, and put on the show for the most part, like, especially with the 40, cause like a bunch of guys was just like, I'm thinking he's going to be a high four or five. So I wanted to run that low four four and I got it. And then I knew about my vertical jump pretty much. I knew I was going to get a good vertical jump cause I mean, I've been jumping my whole life. So that's just something that I'm really good at. And I ended up jumping at the 44 inch vertical and then, I mean, I impressed a lot of coaches, obviously, and I had to impress this staff to, to get here. And the way I think that helps me on the field is just being able to go out there and compete because, like, whenever the quarterback throws a jump ball to the receiver, I'm planning on going up and getting that football just because I, I know I can do it, and I'm very athletic. So it's going to keep me in, in position to make plays. 
seems like the chief strategy would be a complimentary piece to Tyron Matthew. Have you gotten to talk with him at all, or, or how do you feel like you guys kind of fit together? I haven't had a chance to talk to him, but honestly, when I was growing up, I used to watch his like every before every college game. I used to watch his college film because I just love how he played. He always <laughs> keeps that energy going, and like I pride myself just like that. I keep my energy up and try to play well, and I think we will be a great fit. You're listening live from Arrowhead as it is rookie mini camp is officially started. We'll go back to the Chiefs. Well, we haven't talked to the coaches too much about where I'm going to be playing. I'm just I'm just willing to step in and play wherever they want me to play. I'll go and play cornerback, nickel, safety. It really doesn't matter. But I am a pretty versatile guy. and can play any position on the field. I think you mentioned this earlier on, on Twitter, the idea of changing one number to the next. Just what was sort of the thought process of that? And what does 22 in the NFL with the Chiefs sort of mean to you right now? Okay, well, I was 21 in college, so I was just like, okay, I want to get as close to 21 as possible. And then, I, and then they said I had 22, and I was just thinking, like, me, that's a, that's a good number to have, because, like, for example, I was 21 in college, and then you jump to 22, that means you're taking a step up. So getting number 22 just is just symbolizing me taking a step up and, and bettering myself as a person and, and as a player. When you go to college and try to make an impression the first time out, now it's kind of different now with professional ranks. I'm just curious how you try to make an impression first time with the staff and everybody here in Kansas City. Well, with me, I'm not the I'm not a heavy talker like a heavy talking guy. I, I go out there and just perform, and I'm quiet. I'm quiet in the, the locker room, but when I get onto the field, but it's like I'm a different player. You like you flip that switch on, and I just go out there and make plays. That's the biggest thing. You talk with talk by making plays. You don't have to say too much. Who have you watched? Who have you you know watched tapes on uh, for your position? Uh, that makes you the player that you are. I mean, did you, you know, since you're versatile, have you watched Dion? Do you watch Ronnie a lot? What type of film or players have you uh, tried to mimic after? Well, I don't, I don't really like mimic myself after anyone. I just watch film on different guys and, and try to bring things from their game into my game, like with, with, with the Honey Badger. Like, the, like his energy, I just try to keep my energy up. I used to watch Earl Thomas just being in the middle post and, and flying all over the place. Same with Ed Reed. And I, that's just guys I used to watch all the time. And I, I mean, and I just see a lot in that game that I can add to mine and make me a better player. You mentioned your athleticism and trying to, you know, showcase that at the combine and, and to NFL teams. But for someone who is athletic, who sees Colin, obviously his story about backflips and being a running back in high school, mm -hmm. just what is your initial thoughts of seeing that, and what's it what's it like as a as a top level athlete to see somebody do that at that sort of frame that he has? I mean, honestly, like I didn't even know too much about it. Then, like I saw that, I was like. I, I've never seen that before because a guy that big, I didn't know he could move like that. But it's pretty impressive. Like also, like with me, I know I can do backflips and things too. But like you said, that guy that big and can do and move like that, that's pretty good. What, what would have what would have felt like for you to to be say in high school, defensive back trying to tackle something a, a, a slightly smaller version of what he is now, <laughs> trying to tackle him as a running back? I mean. Honestly, like in, in high school, I was maybe 170 or something like that. And hitting a guy like that, I mean, that would probably hurt. So, <laughs> and you know, he probably could run too. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be scared. I'm definitely going to go in there and try to lay the boom, but he might he might win that battle. Did you get to know Colin at all at the Senior Bowl or see him do one of those backflips in real life? I didn't get to see him do it in real life, but I saw the video of him doing it at the Senior Bowl. And then we went on a visit. I can't remember where it was. We went on a, a top thirty visit somewhere else, and we, I mean, we talked a little bit, and that's the that's the only way I got to know him. How, how was hanging? And then we saw the videos and photos from last weekend. Just how was it hanging out with those two guys um, so far? Like, how's your report? Honestly, it was really great. I got here, then I just thought I was gonna have like some press conferences, co press conferences, and meet the coaches and things like that. But they was like, we're going to go over to the stadium and we're going to meet some, a little bit of fans, not too many. And I went over there thinking, like, okay, this is going to be a few. It's not that bad. 
I walked in, it was just so many fans. I was like, oh my. Because like I was, I was, I'm not used to talking in front of a lot of people like that. And then I had to go up on stage and, and basically give like a little speech in front of them. But it wasn't bad at all just because of the fact that, I mean, you say one thing, they're going crazy in the stadium and they just love you. So, I mean, it wasn't bad at all, but it was a great experience. Did some fans know did some fans know you already? Were they recognizing you? Or, or I, mean, I walked in and fans were like, hey, how you doing, one Things like that. I, was like, I didn't even know y'all would know who I was. But, I mean, it's great that y'all know who I am, and I'm happy to be here. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, thanks, thanks. All right. Again, you're listening live and local on 610 Sports Radio, live from Rookie Minicamp at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, you just heard uh, Juan Thornhill talked about picking his number 22. You've heard from uh, Nicole Hartman, and we will hear from Colin Saunders soon as he will make his way to the podium as well. Uh, the rookies, they've signed four of six a week after the draft. Pretty amazing. Only two more to go. And here's Colin Saunders. Just one second until we get to Colin Saunders. Um, but again, rookie minicamp live from Arrowhead Stadium. A week after the draft, and they've got four to six rookies signed, which is pretty impressive. It's a different vibe, it kind of seems like, as they started off the press conference with Andy Reid, said no new information on Tyreek Hill. It's about the rookies today, um, and we've kind of talked. You've kind of seen some things. Pete Sweeney, Arrowhead Pride chief editor, has said, "I asked Miko Hardman about the Chiefs trading up for him. He said it means a lot, and he's eager to prove them right." They talked about how he picked his number seventeen. He said they gave him an option of numbers. He said he chose seventeen. Chris Conley out, Hardman in. Um, as we also see, as they thought, a lot of people thought uh, that maybe Hardman was the security blanket to go on to the Tyreek Hill situation. For those of you that are just joining or maybe you haven't been listening, we are live from Arrowhead Stadium with rookie minicamp that started today. You have heard from Miko Hardman, Juan Thornhill, and we will hear from Colin Saunders. Kind of seems like Colin Saunders is the narrative of rookie uh, rookie minicamp. Everyone wants to know about these backflips and what the what his personality is like. We're going to hear it shortly here on 610 Sports Radio as we get the uh, help from Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride out there today doing some hard work. So far, you like what you hear from these young kids, Nick? Oh, yeah, I love it. I, Thornhill's got a great personality, right. by the way. Him talking about the backflips, and he's like, you know, I can do backflips too. Like, yeah. He seems like a good kid, and also him talking about uh, watching the Honey Badger growing up and watching his college tape and kind of taking that as inspiration, that was also very cool. He also squashed the rumors of why he's 22. He said he was 21 in college, one of the closest number he could to 21. Right. Felt like college, the next step was the pros, so... Use that kind of comparison to go from 21 to 22. Um, he also, like you said, he watched Ed Reed. He watched Tyron Matthew when he was before his college games. He'd watch his college tapes. So he fits our nickname. He is the baby badger. He is going to play where he said he wants to play. Said he's not a big talker, but when he gets on the field, he kind of flips that switch. That's what you want. You want those dogs on the defense. You want that soft Bob Sutton defense. Like that speaks Steve Spagnolia. Steve Spagnolo defense. The, the tough guy grit. Colin Saunders will join uh, the airwaves in a minute as he will report from uh, Chiefs minicamp. Little break in the action there. Um, but it's pretty interesting what these rookies are doing, what these rookies are giving their information out. Seems like a tight group of kids that the Chiefs found. Again, Pete Sweeney asked Nicole Hardman about the Chiefs trading up for him. He said it means a lot, and he's eager to prove them right. Chiefs found something they liked, or the Chiefs found something that was most comparable to what they may be losing. Of course, that is a whole different story because they uh, – don't want to get into Tyree Kill today. Of course, if you're sleeping under a rock and you haven't been in Kansas City for the last two and a half, three weeks, um, you know where that story belongs. So today, it's all about the rookies. They've got 22, 17, and 99. 
Colin Saunders is going to rock the number 99, which is great. It's sexy. It fits him. It's a pretty... Uh, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty fitting number for a guy like that. Ninety nine, D line, backflips, kind of absurd. You look at a guy like ninety nine, you're like, oh, he should be like a big, like Booger McFarland type D lineman. No, he's a very versatile type of lineman, very Chris Jones esque. And I'm excited to hear how he's going to handle this first press conference because I feel like his personality will be on display for everyone to see and hear. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, with a time where there's so much controversy around the Chiefs and everything, it's nice to have some good. Fun guys like Chris Jones and like Colin Saunders out there. So I'm excited to hear him. He should be up here any second now. As we wait to hear from Colin Saunders, the rookie minicamp has started. New numbers have been uh, given out. Some of those, I guess some of those numbers, if you care, I don't know if you do. I do. I kind of find numbers fitting for personalities, trying to match people up early as often because when the new season starts, people are like, oh, well, who's this guy? Me, Cole Hardman will wear 17. Juan Thornhill will wear 22. And we get Colin Saunders. Go ahead. Colin, how have your first couple of days been in Kansas City? I'm sure it's been kind of crazy since you've gotten here, but how are you getting adjusted? Oh, uh, yeah. No, I mean, this, this has been a little bit crazy, but, um, you know, I, I credit the coaches and the staff for, you know, helping me through this whole process because it's pretty cut, cut and dry on um, what I have to do. So, you know, I've just been making sure I'm in the right place at the right time and, and making sure, you know, I leave no fault of, of uh, being wrong at, at any time. So it's been pretty smooth, I would say. Yeah, you've had a chance to learn a little bit about the defense and look at the playbook. How do you feel like your skills fit into this defense in translate? Yeah, um, you know, I, we, we play a very attacking style of defense. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm an aggressive type of um, defensive tackle. So, you know, it's a lot of upfield things and, a lot of just getting off the ball, and I feel like that's one of the strong suits that I that I can bring to a team as far as just you know getting off the ball and and getting upfield and, and making plays, and that's the type of um, you know type of player that Coach Daly wants me to be. So you know I, I feel like um, you know I'm playing to that role really well. Everybody um, has mentioned your athleticism before, and obviously your size, but from a technique standpoint, from where you say started at. Western Illinois, where you are now. How would you say you've improved in terms of technique, and how much do you think that gets lost in the discussion about who you are as a player? Yeah, um, like you say, you know, athleticism is a big part of my game. But uh, you know, just pretty much from starting at a very young age, you know, being able to start as a sophomore, uh, that kind of gives me a different, a different kind of insight uh, as far as playing because you know I, I get to see a lot of looks. As opposed to, you know, a guy that went to a bigger school, they might not get to play or start necessarily until junior or senior year. So, you know, I was getting a lot of playing time my freshman year and then sophomore year I was in the starting role. And just the ability to see all of those different looks on the field, um, it kind of developed my technique very early. And so, you know, the, the development was happening sophomore year and then junior and senior year was more about polishing because I've seen all of the looks by, by this time. So. Um, yeah, it, it was just, uh, you know, it's, the technique is a, is definitely a big part of my game. You know, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have it because at this level, everybody's an athlete. So, um, you know, it, it takes something different. And, and uh, like I said, you know, I wouldn't be here if, if um, it was, that wasn't a part of my game. You mentioned uh, talking with Brendan Daly. What do you think he sees for you this year? Um, like I said, you know, he, he just sees that or he wants me to be, a, um, you know, attacker. That's what he, he really wants out of me. Um, you know, obviously – we know we never know who's gonna start or anything until the, until the game day. So uh, we not we haven't necessarily talked about anything like that. But as as far as I'm concerned, all I'm all we're worried about is 
uh, playing my role and, you know, just adding value to the defense. And that's all I can do. Why do you like the number 99? Well, actually, um, one of my biggest inspirations was Aaron Donald. And, um, you know, he was number 99. And he kind of paved the way for shorter defensive linemen. And uh, that's what I am. So, uh, you know, I, I uh, you know, I, I kind of looked up to him. And um, but now he's about to be eventually a, a rival or, a, you know, a competitor. So, um, you know, but it, I definitely, you know, regardless of uh, what happens in, in anything, you know, he kind of did pave the way for me. And, um, you know, I respect him for that. Colin, you talked a minute ago about uh, Coach Daly. I know you and he are kind of new together. Yeah. Did anything stand out about him so far in your dealings with him? Yeah, he, he's a he's an energetic dude, man. He's um. He's he's very high tempo and high pace. He he um, makes sure he makes sure the one thing I do like about him or really love about him is that he makes sure you know what he wants you to do. Um, that's my biggest. You know, I don't care. I don't respond any negatively or positively, whatever, to any kind of coaching style. My biggest thing is I just want to know exactly how you want me to do something, and he he does a really good job. You know, of telling you, hey, I want it exactly this way. I want it exactly that way. So. Um, he like uh, the energy and the exactness. Uh, I would say are his my favorite two of uh, his qualities. We've had all the guys that have come in here mention your backflips. Obviously, any of them asked you to try to do one? No, no, nobody. I mean, they joke around it, but you know, everybody's trying to keep everybody healthy. So you know, I <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna just keep my feet on the ground um, as long as I can, unless you know, Coach Reed tell me doing, I might I might have to do one, but. Other than that, I'm, I'm keeping my feet on the ground. You mentioned being a zero-star recruit and everything, right? About that, you're still carrying that chip, even though you know you go out and just fill now with a bunch of people trying to make that squad. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, drafted or undrafted, they they always talk about it in the meetings. You can get cut no matter if you win the first round, and you can make the team if you win undrafted. So. Um, I'm, I'm going to carry that chip no matter where I'm at, and you know I came from an underdog university, and so I always will have that mentality. Last one, Nate. With, with the ability to both be running back and defensive tackle, when you were growing up in football, what gave you more satisfaction? I know position and body may determine where you ultimately <laughs> yeah. take this level or yeah. college, what, what gave you more satisfaction? Was it finding a guy in open space and deciding to initiate contact and run him over, or is it a better feeling to? Just, you know, disregard an offensive line when he gets to the Um, Well, I wouldn't say necessarily disregard, but I will say that uh, I do like to use, like you said, my athleticism um, a little bit differently than everybody else because uh, I have a lot of lateral mobility compared to, um, you know, some of the other D linemen in the league. And so, you know, if I can be untouched going to the quarterback, then, of course, that's the goal, at least less injuries and leads to more sacks. So, so uh, yeah, that's I, I definitely like to, you know, be untouched going to the quarterback. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. That was Chiefs rookie camp. That was all rookies that you heard there. You heard Colin Saunders. You heard Thornhill. You heard Hardman, number-wise. You also heard Andy Reid explain why he did what he did, um, drafting those guys and where he plans on seeing those guys up. Um, so we had to get to a quick break. We've got to pay some money for the ads. We'll get back. We'll recap what we thought we got from a little bit of the sound bites of Chiefs Rookie Minicamp. All that and more coming up next. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back into Out of Bounds. Dusty Likens with Nick Price. You've been with us the last 35, 40 minutes. <laughs> That's what it seems like. It's been Chiefs, a while. Chiefs Rookie Minicamp underway today on Saturday. Um, you heard from uh, a group of rookies. Colin Saunders, one of them. Um, Andy Reid spoke, kind of talked a little bit about where these guys are, why they drafted these guys. A couple guys got asked 
you know, how they feel about what their, you know, new role is. You heard, um, you heard Juan Thornhill talk about how he said, um, he watched Honey Badger in college before his college games. That's kind of how he mimics his game after. And also uh, watching Ed Reed as a safety, said he's willing to play anywhere he can. Also, a quote from him as well is that he uh, isn't a big talker, but when he starts off on the games, turns a switch, turns it on, um, and he's rocking 22. He said he wore 21 in college. Said when he got to the pros, he said he figured he'd get as close as he could to 22 or to 21. Said 22 is kind of like, well, it's close to 21. It's also like, I'm taking the next step in my career. 21, 22 is right. cliche as that can sound. No, I love everything that Thornhill had to say. I like how he was like, hey, I can do backflips too when asked about Colin Saunders. Colin Saunders then comes back in the next one and says, I'm going to keep my feet on the ground now that I'm in the NFL. Overall, I mean, just cool to hear from these rookies ahead of starting their Chiefs careers today, really. Another thing that I thought was great about Colin Saunders, uh, you can look at it on uh, at Matt Derrick. Colin Saunders says he thinks he fits into this defense with the playing aggressive, getting upfield, getting off the ball and making plays. Quote, that's the kind of player coach Brendan Daly wants me to be. End quote. Pete Sweeney, I asked McCole Hardman about the Chiefs trading up for him. He said it means a lot. He's going to be eager to prove, he said he's eager to prove them right. Um, a lot of good stuff, uh, not not a lot, a ton of good quotes, but another one that's really good about this quote is Colin Saunders says he likes the number 99, which is the number he chose, because he looks up to Aaron Donald, who played the way for who paved the way for short defensive linemen like himself. Ironically, or coincidentally, they're both six foot tall, and I am really juiced up and excited about Colin Saunders, but it is almost one o'clock. We've got one more hour left of out of bounds until Josh Klingler, who fills in for Cody Tapp, Get you started with Cody Tapp's pregame show here on 610 Sports Radio. We got more of this coming up and a little bit more to compare Patrick Mahomes to, I call him Aegon Targaryen. Nick Price calls him Jon Snow, but why? Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.